Thank you for joining us on the LTC NAC Chat, a podcast brought to you by the American Association of Nurse Assessment Coordination, ANAC. We're on episode two of the Restorative Nursing Series, uh, and I'm your host today, Shannon Johnson, and I'm here with ANAC's Curriculum Development Specialist, Jesse McGill. Welcome, Jesse. Thank you, Shannon. I'm glad to be here again today. Well, we're excited to be on episode two of this series. Um, It's such an important topic and need for facilities. I know last time we talked about how restorative nursing programs are really a win-win for both the facility and the resident. So let's dig in today with um, what do you think are the biggest barriers to restorative care in nursing facilities? Oh, that's such a great question, Shannon, and one that is not easy to answer. There are so many barriers to not only starting a restorative program but also keeping it alive and so i'm gonna i'm gonna start with two barriers that i see as um my top two the first one would be having a system to appropriately select and maintain the appropriate residents for caseload for restorative and i would say my other top barrier would be the staffing challenge of keeping those programs going. Does it require usually to have additional staff for restorative programs? Now, when we look at restorative caseloads, there's two basic uh, staffing models that facilities use. The first staffing model is a dedicated restorative aid that completes 100% of the restorative care. The other main model is we have a restorative program and the nurse assistants on the floor are the ones providing that restorative program. Now, in some facilities, they do have a mix of that program where the restorative aid is doing some programs, but then other programs may be be performed by the nurse aides on the floor. Jesse, let me ask you, do the restorative staff, um, do they have to have a license? They do not. The restorative staff must be trained in the techniques used to to promote the independence of the resident, those techniques that are needed to be able to carry out those restorative programs. And oftentimes, the nursing staff or the therapy staff can provide this training right within your uh, nursing facility. We just have to have the documentation that that training occurred. So, Jesse, just to clarify, there are no federal training requirements regarding a nursing license for restorative care, but are there any at the state level? That is a great point, Shannon, and yes, it is so important that you are familiar with your state's requirements. Some states require a certification for the nurse who's going to be overseeing the restorative program. Some states require that the nurse overseeing is an RN. And other states may have specific requirements regarding what the restorative aids can do. So no federal federal requirements for training or licensure besides the nurse oversight. But reach out to your state REI coordinator if you're not familiar with your state requirements. Well, as we talked about in our last episode, um, you distinguish between standard nursing care interventions and individualized resident-specific programs. Um, what is key to determining whether or not restorative is needed? Oh, that, that's a great topic. And that goes right with our that first barrier of how do we determine what residents should be on restorative. And actually, uh, we just released a tool with ANAC last month that, that 
is a tool to identify appropriate candidates for restorative nursing, and that's available on our um, our tool tab on our ANAC website as a free member benefit. Um, but that tool really helps you to walk through how we start by identifying a resin that has a problem, and we might do that based on like we talked about on our last. Um, webcast. We might do that time of admission. We might do that when they're coming off of uh, therapy services, or it might have been something that triggered a review during their stay. They had a fall or a choking episode, or we noticed they triggered on a quality measure. So when we look at at a resident that we say, hey, they've had a change. We've noticed that they might have a, um, a activity that we can improve on with restorative. Then we have to complete an assessment. One of the criteria for restorative is it must be based on assessment of the resident's needs. So once we identify that based on the, that resident's needs that a program may be appropriate, we have to determine can it be met through standard nursing care? Do we just need to help the resident eat the food with a limited assist of one? Or is a restorative program appropriate, which means it is specific to that resident, again, based on their needs and above and beyond that standard care. Right. Do you have any examples you could share? Yeah. So um, let's first look at a, a resident that we noticed had a need and then um, we determined not, we sort of was not appropriate. So if we say Mr. Smith and he has a history of a CVA, with left-sided hemapresis, and we've identified that he needs help getting out of bed. So we complete an assessment, and we identify that he's able to grasp the transfer bar independently and staff assist with the left side to position on the side of bed. Then he requires extensive assist of one to pivot transfer to the wheelchair. And we identify that Mr. Smith is right now participating at his highest level function. He requires no additional task segmentation, no special cues. He knows what to do with the staff assisting him. That's standard care. We're helping Mr. Smith out of bed, and the restorative program would not be indicated. Now let's look at another resident, Mr. Jones, who also needs help getting out of bed. And Mr. Jones, when we complete this assessment, we identify that he requires verbal cues to grasp the tra trapeze bar and lift his upper body from the bed. Staff then have to adjust his legs to the edge of the bed, and we have to cue Mr. Jones to move each leg out of the bed. And then staff provide guided maneuvering at the edge of the bed to get his feet fat, flat on the floor, and then able to transfer into the wheelchair. And when we talk to Mr. Jones, he believes he would be able to complete these tasks more independently if he were to practice them more. That's where we're going to go above and beyond the standard nursing care, and we're going to provide the task segmentation and the verbal cues, the guided maneuvering in a specified order specific to Mr. Jones' needs to help him improve in the function of transferring out of bed. And that's where a restored program is going to come in. It's great. It gives him that option to improve. Um, great examples. Thank you so much. You know, one last thing I want to mention when we're on the topic of uh, that restorative caseload is oftentimes the restorative caseload gets so big because we never take anyone off. And it's important to keep in mind that residents should be graduating from their restorative programs and not all residents. So 
some residents will need a program for, for as long as they're in the nursing home to prevent contractures, to prevent pressure ulcers. They're going to need a program, um, a, a maintenance program. But there are residents that should be graduated from their restored programs once those goals are met. Well, it seems, Jesse, that you know, the more independent you help the resident to be, the less staffing it even requires to help with all of those um, basic you know, needs, like, for instance, getting out of bed, as you um, referenced with Mr. Jones. The more independent they can be, does, is that true that it correlates to possibly having um, less staffing per, uh, maybe not less staffing, but um, not as high need residents? You know, that's a tough one, Shannon, um, with all the staffing challenges that we have, but it definitely can make the nurse aides job easier in the long run when we have residents that are um, have goals of staying as independent as possible. And not only that, we are working to keep them independent and safe. Right. So that that translates to fewer falls, fewer pressure ulcers, and having those residents where they know what to expect and the staff know what to expect for each resident um, for those cares. That makes sense. How do you develop restorative groups to overcome the restorative, restorative aid staffing barrier? That's a great, that's, a, that's just perfect because I am, um, I'm a huge supporter of group programs and restorative care. And when we have a staffing challenge, and um, I'm going I'm to back up just a little bit because a lot of times what we have is a restorative program that um, whichever staffing model you're working on, if you have a CNA that calls in, oftentimes it's either the dedicated restorative aid that gets pulled to the floor, or if the CNAs are completing the restorative program, oftentimes it's that restorative program that gets put on hold so they can make sure they get the basic patient to resident care completed. And restorative groups is a great way to overcome that barrier so that we have more residents involved in restorative um, that are working together. And uh, just like having a workout buddy that keeps you accountable to go to the gym, the restored programs can work in very much the same way where the residents start counting on each other to show up for the group and complete that restorative exercise uh, that's completed as a group together to, um, uh, to efficiently have more restorative programs at the same time. Now, there are some rules to the restorative programs, and one of the first ones is that a restorative program must be four residents to one caregiver. But you can establish a group of more than four residents if you have more staff involved. And this is where you could include activities with your restorative, and all you have to do is train your activity staff in those methods that are used to promote the residents' independence or the methods that are used for that restored program. And they can be one of the staff members overseeing four residents. So you could have uh, CNA and restorative aid in eight residents, all performing the restorative group at the same time. What kind of activities um, would somebody consider um, engaging the residents in? Oh, this is where it can get really fun. Um, when you look at your group programs, you, you need to be completing the same task. So you need to identify what residents need the same type of 
of help. So if you have residents that are functioning on upper extremity range of motion, upper extremity strengthening, you can group those residents together and you can have a group that focuses on the upper extremity um, range of motion. So you could do parachute, uh, balloon badminton, you can do um, ball toss, you can do a, 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 a group led active range of motion to high beat music, um, you can do the music, the shakers, uh, you can really make it fun for the residents in that group um, to go through those active range of motion tasks and, and engage with some other activities, um, even using uh, like the um, Nintendo Wii system uh, for the for the bowling and some of the other skills that can be incorporated into those groups. Such a fun way to improve. <laughs> it sounds like it a blast. It doesn't stop there. Um, you know, when you talk about a lower extremity range of motion, this is where you could do seated exercises in a group, um, the kickball and the seated marching. Um, and, uh, you know, whenever you get those residents together, I've, I've witnessed uh, those strong restorative groups where you have residents that aren't in the program, but they like to come out and watch the restorative program because it is entertaining to watch the residents hitting the ball to each other and um, that upbeat music and uh, just just the 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 fun of it like you said sure so what's the timing of these these um, programs when will it benefit residents and facilities the most oh it, I mean you could really work with these programs now what I found worked really good in one of the facilities that I worked in years ago was a active group right before uh, the noon meal. And what I found with this group is these were residents who were usually starting to get restless before lunch. They might have been trying to get out of their, uh, their wheelchairs or um, on the call light. So we set up the program with these residents that were very appropriate for restorative. and had them out into the activity room about 30 minutes before the noon meal to complete this high music, high um, upbeat uh, restore program for active range of motion. This not only benefited the residents in the program, you know, stimulate their appetite to get them ready and awake so that they have a better meal experience, but it also had the residents out of the room. They weren't going to fall, they weren't on the call light, the, the other uh, uh, nurse assistants could be out assisting the other residents while these residents were, were safe and working on their independence. After meals is another great time. It helps slow that flow of residents back to the rooms and helps with, again, the digestion of the food and the mood and the atmosphere of that meal time. Um, but don't forget that you can also do groups during meals. If you have residents on eating programs, you can seat those residents close together so that one helper can be assisting um, more than one resident with an eating program. Now, I do want to mention one more that I really like, and this is an activity, an active, active range of motion, a group restore program that can be very beneficial right before bed. So you have that evening time when you have some residents that might be put into bed a little too early and then they're restless and they're going to try to get out of bed and we have those falls in the evening. I like to recommend the Tai Chi groups 
where you can have residents sit together. And again, it has to be that one to four ratio and do the really slow range of motion, relaxing Tai Chi movements, which helps with all sorts of mobility as well as can help the residents relax and help them sleep better through the night. So a lot of options when you talk about group programs that I I love. And I, I know there's even more that folks are out there doing that are having great success with. Well, it sounds like a, um, a must-have for any facility implementing this. Um, and it makes perfect sense, all of the different timing you just went over. We eat better, we sleep better, we have better blood flow. Um, you know, just even by the movement and engagement, um, either before or after, I, I, that all makes perfect sense to me. So great information, Jesse. Thank you so much for sharing more. And um, we have our episode three coming up uh, that I know you have even more great information for our listeners. So um, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate it. And um, if you would like any more information on restorative nursing care um, for our listeners, you can visit ANAC.org. And Jesse um, mentioned the restorative tool that was recently released, as well as um, I know we have a couple of articles on restorative nursing care. So you can find those there at www.anac.org. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.